Awesome, awesome. Hey, if you guys would, turn with me in your Bibles quickly to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. That's the one we've been in for the last couple weeks now and the one that we'll be in for a couple weeks more. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. If you're newer to your Bibles, the easiest way to find it is to turn to the front of your Bible, the table of contents. Look in that New Testament section. There's an Old Testament section and a New Testament section. Go to the New Testament section and... Uh, uh, it'll be the very first name, Matthew. Go to that page number, then find the big number 11, little number 28. That's where we're going to be today. Um, and uh, 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 yeah, for sure, make sure to come out um, next weekend. Super Bowl Sunday, I know it's like people like to skip church and whatnot, but it's, uh, it's scientifically proven that if you show up to church, the team that you root for wins. <laughs> and, uh, and if you don't, more than likely they're going to lose, so... That's a great statistic that I made up. Um, but who knows, right? How many, how many people like you care who wins in the Super Bowl this time? How many people don't? Raise your hands. Yeah, me neither. I'm like, oh, whatever. It's more about the commercials now than it is the actual game. But then you can just YouTube those later, so it doesn't even matter anymore. Okay. Um, and, oh, I do have to, before we jump into the message, I do want to let you guys know about another uh, date that we have coming up, February 9th. So in a couple of weeks from now, February 9th, we're going to be doing uh, child dedications, child dedications. So um, if you have a, a kid, um, really of any age, that you just would, would, would want to say that, one, you're dedicating them to the Lord, but it's also a parent dedication as well, too. It's you saying that as a parent, I'm going to dedicate my child to raising them in the ways of the Lord. We're going to be doing that February 9th. And so if you are interested in that on your communication card, you can write in there uh, uh, child dedication, and then you just drop those in the back at one of those um, uh, black little bins on by each of the doors. And so, uh, yeah, it's great. Child dedication. We dedicated our children, and so far they're okay. So, <laughs> oh, all right, okay. <laughs> Matthew chapter 11, if you're there, say amen. All right, if you're not, say hold on. Oh, shoot, okay. I should have done that first and then did my announcements. Um, oh, hey, if you'd like to join a team, we're, we're so fresh, we're so new. We need, we need peace and more people on teams. We've got children's ministry that's just incredible. It's awesome. Uh, we've got our setup, our teardown stuff that would be uh, phenomenal to have you a part of. Uh, we've got our coffee team. We've got our, uh, our facilities team that helps clean the building every Wednesday night. We've, we've got all sorts of stuff. All different ways for you to serve here. We can use your gifts, talents, and abilities. All right. Matthew 28, here we go. This is Jesus. He's speaking right now to a crowd of people, a crowd of all kinds of people, all different uh, backgrounds, ages, stages, all that different stuff. He says this. He goes, Come to me all, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden, and my burden is light. As we are in our collection of talks called Unforced, really learning a new way to be human, this week we're going to talk about finding rest from others. Finding rest from others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we get to gather in this place. Um, thank you, Lord, for just an incredible time of worship. And thank you, Jesus, that we're surrounded by uh, a, a group of people that... Um, Although we may be in different um, stages, we may be in, in different situations, but Lord, we all need the same thing. We all need to be loved. We all need to belong, and we all need to be known. And so, Lord, we just pray that today we feel that. And we pray also, Lord, that you would convict us 
Lord, if there's any areas of our lives that need to change, that need to improve, that need to be different, we pray for that conviction. We pray also for that encouragement. Lord, encourage us where we're weak in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Um, so uh, I, got, I gave my life to Christ in uh, 1997, 1997. And um, so that was a while ago. I was 18, 19 years old. I talked a little bit about it last, you know, a few weeks ago. And um, I don't know if, if any of you guys um, remember Christianity in, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, I don't know if maybe that's a time frame that you got saved in. If so, um, we're so glad you're here. We have counseling for you. And um, <laughs> I'm kind of, we don't have counseling, but I'm serious. It was a weird time. It was a weird time. It was a weird time in Christianity. It was like, um, it was, there was a bunch of stuff going on. There was these different movements, like the purity movement and all these things. And, and I remember um, getting, you know, giving my life to Jesus, you know, having a fresh start, feeling brand new. And I'd come out of like, you know, living a crazy lifestyle. And all of a sudden, I find myself in, in church, and I hear about, right, I hear about this free gift of grace, and, and Jesus loves you, and he's going to forgive you of all the things that you've done and, and will, will do, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And I'm like, this is awesome. Heck yeah, because that's exactly what I need. Like, I'm so lost. I'm so, like, I feel like I'm drowning in my life, and this is just perfect, and I got this new future and this new hope in Jesus, and yay. And then I started going to church, and... Um, and I, I started to hear about all these things that were wrong with me and that I needed to change. And all of a sudden, I, I started to, to kind of piece together that maybe this free gift that had been like proclaimed to me, this grace of God, maybe wasn't so free. And, and maybe there was like, um, there was now these rules and these regulations that I was having to live by. Like, like you know, like definitely like, hey, bro, um, you're a Christian, you don't say that stuff no more. Like, you can't use those words. And I was like, why the not? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I probably said that. But, it, but, um, but like, we'd have these, like, these, these, these things, and, 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 um, and it was hard for me because I'd lived so long in the world that I didn't know necessarily, like, what it was now to be, like, this staunch religious Christian. You know, like, I started second-guessing everything I wore. Um, people were like, yo, um, now that you're a Christian, you can't listen to that music. I was like, shoot, so I had to listen to, like, subpar Christian music that just, now it's good, but, man, in the late 90s, early 2000s, it was brutal. I won't name any of the artists because that's mean and slanderous, but um, I, I just remember thinking, like, well, this is a lot heavier. Like, this, all of a sudden, this, this being free is actually a lot heavier than uh, I, I realized. And then when I, when I decided to, to, like, I felt God call me into ministry. And I'm like, man, I'm so excited. I'm going into ministry. Here we go. Like, felt like the Lord spoke to me, saw a vision one night at a, at a, a, a prayer and worship service called Fan the Flame. Again, early 2000s, Fan the Flame, very, okay. So I, I was like, I was pumped. I was excited, right? And I'm like, I'm, and I start telling, like, I'll call my, some of my family. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm going into ministry. Like, God's called me into ministry. I'm going to be a pastor. And, and my excitement wasn't necessarily met with their excitement. They're like, well, uh, you know, I don't think that's the wisest thing for you to do, Jeff. You know what pastors make, don't you? I, I didn't at the time, so now I do. Um, 
And so he's like, you know, like, my, like you know, I remember having conversations with my dad and, and, you know, and other family members. And they're like, well, just, you, hey, just make sure, just finish, finish college so that you have a backup plan. Just make sure, as in my last year at Western Washington University, just finish college so that you have a backup plan. And there's some wisdom in that. And I'm not saying, like, what I did was necessarily the best thing to do. But I was like, nah. So I quit college. I ended up going to Bible college later, later on. But I just, I, I, all of a sudden, I, I had these these family expectations that were on me as well. So I, I was feeling like a weight of like how to be a Christian, but then I was also dealing with like, but now I'm, I'm disappointing my family because they want me to go in a certain direction that they've had this idea for my life. And I don't know if you've ever lived in that tension before to where you're, you're feeling um, the, a weight or a burden that has been placed upon you by maybe um, a, a religion or maybe by a church or by pastors or priests or, you know, spiritual leaders of some sort. But not only that, but you have that tension of living under the expectations that maybe your parents, family members, authority figures, coaches and whatnot have placed in your life. And so here you are now in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond, and whenever you make a decision, sometimes you hear their voice in your head. Sometimes you feel that pressure of, this is what I feel like I should do. This is what I feel like the Lord wants me to do. But, man, I can still hear my dad. But I can still, I can still feel the pressure of. And this group of people that Jesus is talking to, this, that's the tension that they're living in constantly. Not only are they weary, like we talked about last week, with everything, all the situations that they've gotten themselves into, all the stresses that they place upon themselves, all the, the burdens and whatnot that they've placed on themselves, they're also living in that word burden that we read there. It means, it means a weight. It means a stress. It means um, an expectation that has been placed upon you by others, by others. And for them, they are dealing with that. They've got the expectation of their family. In Hebrew society, it was very much family. You represent your family. You go and you do what your family wants you to do. Um, uh, you don't stray from that. We're a part of a village, and you have to work on what your family wants you to do. And then, and then you have, of course, the religious leaders. And what the religious leaders are, are saying, we're going to get to them in, in just a bit, but the religious leaders, they're saying, no, this is the way that you have to live in order to please God. These are the things that you have to fulfill in order to please God if you don't, God is not pleased with you, God is mad at you, and, and, and they led a lot by guilt, shame, and manipulation. But we ultimately can be free from this. We ultimately, because of what Jesus says, we can live in this place of rest when it comes to these burdens that have been placed upon us by other people, again, authority figures, family, you know, religious folk, and whatnot in, in our lives. But we just have to be willing to break out of it. We have to be willing to recognize it, and then we have to be willing to move past it. And that's not always easy. There's a, there's a, a wonderful story in the Bible. It's found in 1 Samuel um, chapter uh, 17. We won't go there. I'll just kind of tell it. But um, uh, uh, um, it's, it's the story of David and Goliath. It's a pretty famous story. Um, even if you haven't grown up in church, more than likely you've heard it in some way, shape, or, or form. It's used a lot of times in, like, sports analogies, like, the team, the underdog is David, and the, you know, big bad team is Goliath, and blah, blah, you know, and David versus Goliath. Because the idea is that David is this little guy, and then Goliath was this giant. 
And what you have is you have these, these, these two countries. You have the Philistines and the Israelites, and they're facing off. They're getting ready to fight. And they've been doing this for a long time now. And every morning, Goliath, just nine, he's like nine feet tall. He's giant. He's ripped. He's built. And he comes down every, I don't know why that matters, but he comes down every, 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 every morning, and he, st- and he just yells. He yells at the Israelites. He's like, yo, who wants to fight me? It says, as a matter of fact, we'll just settle this right now so that both armies don't go, then we don't got to go get at each other. You send your champion, I'm their champion. You come down, we'll go toe to toe. I'll blast them. And then, well, this, that's, that, they don't use that language. I'm just trying to be current, you know, with the culture. I'll blast, I'll blast those fools. So it says, I'll blast them. <laughs> and, and then, And then whoever wins, if I win, you guys are our slaves. If they win, we're your slaves. Like, that's the way it's going to go. Who wants to do this? Every single morning, the guy goes out and do this. And every single morning, the Israelite army, they just sit there in fear. They're like, I ain't going to fight him. You're going to fight him. I ain't going to fight him. The guy's nine feet tall. Look at me. I'm like five, five on a good day. Like, there's no way. Like, we're not going to go after And And so one day, this this 16-ish-year-old David shows up. And David is a shepherd boy. Like, he takes care of sheep. Like, what a job, you know? Like, he takes care of sheep. And, and he shows up. He's bringing food to his brothers on the front line. And David's like, hey, guys, I got your bread. I got your cheese. Dad says, what's up? Hey, here's some food. And then he hears Goliath come down. And Goliath's like, yo! Again, same thing. We'll fight. I'll blast you. Boom, we'll fight. And then David goes, um, why don't you guys do anything about this guy? And they're like, Are you, look, look at him, David. He's huge. He's got massive weapons. He'll crush us. And David, David's like, mm, I don't know. And then, and then there's a rumor starts going around. Well, whoever fights him gets a lot of money and the king's daughter. And she's fine. <laughs> so David's like, I could use a girl. <laughs> could be a, I could use a lady. Sounds good. Yeah, I don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> that would be nice. Right now, tax season would be really nice. And so he, he goes, well, I'll fight him. I'll fight this guy. So they're like, rumor starts going, well, David says he's going to fight him. And so he takes him to the king, King Saul. Now, King Saul ultimately should have been like, I'd fight him. But King Saul wouldn't fight him. And so King, King, King Saul and, and David, they have this conversation. And, and King Saul's like, yo, uh, this Goliath guy, he's been fighting for a long time. You, not so much. You know, like, maybe you, maybe you shouldn't. He says, you know, you're kind of a, a you're kind of a boy, man. Like, not a boy, man. You're a boy. <laughs> you're a boy. And, and David's like, hey, man, I've been taking care of my father's sheep. <laughs> like, what a line. Can you imagine in some of these UFC things, like, they're going toe-to-toe, and he's like, yo, I've been taking care of sheep, fool. <laughs> Let's go. Sorry, I'm getting way off track. So... Anyways, it comes to be where Saul's like, fine, you can fight him. He goes, get David my armor. Put my armor on him. Because if he's going to go out and act like a king, he's got to at least look like a king, right? So he puts the armor on David. And this is where, for, for years, the church has told this wrong. For years, the church has told this wrong. And, and, and veggie tales didn't help. <laughs> you guys remember, veggie tales, veggie tales. Okay. Is, is it's always been thought, well, David puts on the armor, but he's like a boy. 
so it doesn't fit him. And so here he is walking around in this clanky armor, and it doesn't fit him. And he's like, oh, geez, I won't be able to fight in these because it's so much armor. I can't do it. But that's not, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that David put the armor on, and he walked around, and he says, I can't go in this because I'm not used to it. It wasn't that David was too small to wear the armor. It's just that that armor wasn't meant for David. And King Saul, an authority figure in his life, was placing his armor on him in order for him to do what God had called him to do. But what David had to realize is that I can't go in this armor because it's not meant for me. And so many of us are living our lives wearing other people's armor because it was placed on you at a young age. And they said, this is the way that you need to look, and this is what you need to do, and this is how it needs to be for your life. And so you got to put on that armor. And anytime you're like, I don't know about this armor, they're like, keep the armor on because that's what I want you to wear. But David was smart enough to go, that armor isn't meant for me. I'm not meant to live like that. I'm not meant to fight like this. I'm going to go out. I'm going to find five smooth stones. I've got my, my shepherd's staff in a bag, and I'm good. i got a sling. I can do it this way. And so many of us need to get to a point in our lives where we're going to take off other people's armor that have been placed on us, whether it was placed on you when you were a kid, whether it was placed on you when you were 30. It doesn't matter when it was placed on you. But you go, this armor wasn't meant for me. And if I want to see victory in my life, i got to do it this way because i got to trust God to to move in my life, my way, in order to see the victory that he set up for me. Somebody say amen. amen. We got to get there. And believe me, I'm somebody, I am a, 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 a people-pleasing, insecure, like, extrovert. It's like a cocktail for dysfunction. Like, I'm, I'm like dysfunction man. You know, da-da-da-da, you know, like... And so I'm, I'm always, like, when I'm showing up, like, I, I, I want to, like, oh, you think I should wear this armor? So this armor looks good on me. I should wear this. Like, oh, I'll totally wear this armor. No, you think I should do this? I will totally do it this way. You're so right. I'm so wrong. And then I find myself in, in, in not being victorious. I find myself defeated. I got to be like, no, I got to be comfortable in the way God has created me. You got to be you. You be you. God made you. You. Imitations are never worth as much as the original. Don't be an imitation of somebody else. You be you. You rock how God wants you to rock. Take off that armor. And I know for some of us, because we've been wearing it for so long, it almost feels like our armor now, but it's not. You have to, you have to get to a place to where you're not going to live your life based on somebody else's expectations of you. And then, and then can I just say this too, like, and we need to break the cycle. Because we knew it was done to us, and so therefore we do it to others. Or we'll do it to our, our kids. We'll start to, 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 to place these burdens upon our kids. We want our kids to choose certain professions, our kids to go to certain colleges, our, our kids to do these things. It's not our job to make our kids. It's our job to steward our kids. It's our job to look at our children and, and begin to see who God has created them to be. Now, I, and, and please, I'm not saying like, so just let them run wild. You know, God's caused them to be wild kids. No, I mean, you have to discipline, but you always discipline for their benefit. Never discipline out of frustration. You discipline because you know what they're doing is going to harm them in life. 
that it might mess with the call that God has placed on their life or God, who God has created them to be. It's, it's interesting because um, as a dad, I've had to do this. Like, I had an idea of who I wanted my kids to be. Bless you. I, I had, I, like, I had this, like, this is how I want my kids, like, this, when, I grow, when they grow up, this is what I, I want them to do as professions. This is how I want things to roll. Like, like, like for me, it had to be a giant releasing of just letting them be who they are. Of going, okay, um, maybe they don't like surfing. <laughs> hold, hold on. <laughs> maybe they don't. I mean, like, honestly, like, let, let, me, let me just love them and champion them and whatever it is that they're, they're into, whatever it is they, they want to do. Like, like my, my kids, they, all, they, they pick sports I hate. <laughs> um, I, remember, I remember when they started playing soccer. I was like, I hate soccer. I like it now, so please. <laughs> Some of you guys were like, I'm leaving this church, man. <laughs> World Cup, go. I don't know. Kick the ball. But, but, but when they started playing... I, I kind of started, I, fall, I started to like it. My daughter, India, runs. I hate running. My son does too. It's my favorite. Um, no, it's, but, but I, remember, I remember going like, what in the world? But, but now, like, I, I, I will drive two hours or more to go watch this girl run a race that lasts 19 minutes, and I only see her at two or three different points of the, thing, of, of the whole race course, and that's because I run that one time a year in order to get there, to <laughs> over there, to back over there in order to see her run, right? Because I'm going to champion her in who she is, right? Like my, my son, he loves video games. I played Nintendo back in the day, and that was it, people. Mario Brothers, not even Mario Kart, Pfft, like the real, Zelda, come on somebody. But he's like, Dad, I just did this in my game, and I'll run up, and I'll watch him play, and I'm into it. I'm like, good job, buddy, that's rad, that's killer. And before any of you guys are like, you shouldn't let him play video games so much. Do you know how much some of those gamers make? I'm getting more amens on the video games than anything else. I'm like, I'm like, Jesus loves you, and he wants to save you, and you guys are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I go, video games, you're like, come on, somebody! I feel the presence of God in this place! <laughs> but it, it, it becomes this point where we have to celebrate who they are instead of focusing on who they're not. Celebrate who they are instead of focusing on who they are not. And also understanding this, too, when it comes to those who have maybe placed the, there's these things on us, um, these burdens on us. Um, quit expecting from people what they can't give. Because I know a lot of us have, have deep issues from parents and maybe family members or, again, other authority figures in our life because we expect it and we need it from them. But they, they, if they just can't give it, they can't give it. 
It'll set you free. Like, what if you got to a place in life where you didn't live your life based on pleasing other people, but you just lived your life based on pleasing God? That's it. And, and, and here's the great thing with it. He's already pleased with you. He's already pleased with you. It's not like you have to do anything in order for him now to be pleased. or He's just simply pleased. He's not pleased by you because of your actions. He's pleased on you because of he loves you. And you see this. You see this in Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus is baptized. When Jesus is baptized, Matthew 3 goes to John. John says, um, oh my gosh, you're Jesus. You should baptize me. And Jesus is like, no, you're John the Baptist for a reason. You've got to baptize me. And they kind of argue a little bit. And John's like, okay, cool, cool, we'll do this. So he dunks Jesus. And Jesus comes up out of the water. And it's this amazing, like, this amazing time, right, where he's in the Jordan River. The skies open up. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. Like, how cool is that? Man, my baptism was not that cool. Side note, we're going to be doing baptism services in about a month, but that doesn't matter. There'll be doves and open skies and all sorts of stuff. But, but, this is, but this is what happens. A voice from heaven comes. A voice from heaven comes and says this. This is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. This is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. Gives him his identity, which we get our identity from God. My son, my daughter, children, right? And then it describes him whom I love whom I love, the way that we're described as his sons and daughters, love, he loves us. And then he affirms him, he says, with whom I'm well pleased. This, if, if for those of you guys who don't necessarily know the whole story of Jesus, this is before Jesus has done anything. He hadn't done a thing yet. He hadn't preached a sermon. He hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't like, like tore up the Pharisees yet. He hadn't done anything. He just, he just was baptized. It shows us that God takes pleasure in us not because of what we've done for him, but because we belong to him. That's it. But this is hard for us to know because, because a lot of times, and especially for them at this time, um, the amount of pressure, the amount of rules and regulations that religious folk and um, pastors and priests throughout the years have placed on people, it doesn't make us necessarily um, feel this way. It doesn't necessarily remind us of this stuff. And Jesus, he was fed up with it. He, wasn't, he was so upset, uh, uh, the religious leaders of the day, heaping these burdens upon people. Just like I'm sure today, he's probably upset that a lot of pastors just heap burdens on people. They'll get up and they'll say, well, you should be doing this, and you got to do this different, and blah, 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 blah. blah. And, and the whole time they're not doing it. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 23, let's throw that on the board. Matthew 23, um, verses 1 through 4, and this is Jesus Speaking to the, um, he's, he's speaking to the, uh, 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 the, um, the Pharisees. He's speaking to a big crowd, but within it, he's blasting the Pharisees. The Pharisees were these teachers of the law. They were, they were like the, the kind of the pastors and priests and stuff of the day. And it says this, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Basically, that was the seat of authority. That would be like kind of the stage in a local church. Like they get up there and they begin to teach. And he goes, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. 
The religious people of the day would place all of these like, hey, you must do this, and you can't do this, and if you do do this, then you've broken the law, and this is how messed up you are, and it was just heaping these burdens upon the people. So people, for them, their, their religion wasn't freedom. Their religion of following God was rules and regulations, and they felt heavy. If you've ever been, if you've been a Christian long enough, I'm sure you've gone through that season before where you start to feel heavy. Maybe if you grew up in, in a, a different faith, maybe you've had those times where you feel heavy. Maybe if you grew up Catholic, you had those times where you felt heavy because they're not preaching the freedom that comes in Jesus. We're preaching. We say the gospel is good news. Everyone can be saved. We, we preach that, but then we, 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 we push rules. We push the do's and we push the don'ts and, and we use guilt and we use manipulation and we use shame. And this is the reason why, because guilt, shame, and manipulation will get results fast. Fast. You want, you want someone to, to change their opinion, their idea, or even their action, just make them feel guilty for it. I don't know if you guys ever experienced that. Where all of a sudden you just feel guilty, so I don't want to go, but they made me feel guilty, so I will go, right? Well, that's what we've done in church for years. Because guilt will produce results, and it produces fast results, but those results don't last. And we've all been in that place before where, where we've messed up, or, we've, or again, Christians, if you've sinned, you know it's a sin, you're just like, I'm so dumb, why'd I sin? I shouldn't do that, I'm so bad, I'm so bad, I'm not going to do it, and so for like three weeks you don't do it. Because you remember how bad you felt, but then that feeling starts to wear off. And then you find yourself back in that place again, where we need to get to a place where it is grace. Grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. Because guilt will change you for a moment, but grace changes you for eternity. And so when you, even when you find yourself in that place of sin, maybe doing the thing you know that you shouldn't be doing, just begin to proclaim who you are in Jesus. That I am the righteousness in Christ Jesus. That Jesus loves me. Even right now, Jesus, Jesus loves me. And you'll find that that is so much more powerful than the guilt that you'll heap on yourself or the guilt that others will heap on you. As again, we, we, at church, we gotta get to a place where we're like, hey guys, this is a place where you're welcome so good, so good. Hey, just go ahead and feel, feel free to confess your sins. And people start to confess, and you're like, oh, you're sick. <laughs> oh, that's, wow. Whoa, you, you what? <laughs> we get to a place where like, man, I've probably done much worse. But let me just remind you of who you are in Jesus. Let me just remind you of, 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 of God's got so much better for you that that, that sin's more kind of like a cancer to your spirit, to cancer to your soul, and so let's get rid of it. Let's get rid of it, but let's focus on who God has designed you and created you to be. Get to that place of grace, understanding that he loves you unconditionally, so let's not place condition on it. That was good. Thank you. I'd write that down somewhere. Maybe tattoo it on your arm in Hebrew. Um. <laughs> uh. and, I, and, and I know that like some, some of us even hear that and we go, but Jeff, 
That's just like, it's greasy grace. You're just winking at sin. No. Because again, we can get up and we can guilt a congregation and we can see immediate results. But it's not my job or even your job to change anybody. That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And so it's our job to continue to preach Jesus and his goodness. Jesus knew that we wouldn't be able to fulfill everything. He knew that we wouldn't be able to be perfect. He knew this. That's why I said last week, he doesn't expect us to be perfect because he's our perfection, right? And he knew this. And he knew that for this group of people that he's speaking to right now that are all trying to do this um, and trying to live by the laws and trying to fulfill all these laws and commandments that you find in, in the ancient Hebrew text in Genesis, Leviticus, you know, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They, they're all trying to, to do this. And, and, and Jesus says to them in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he says, look, I, I have not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. Meaning it's no longer on you to fulfill it. I fulfill it. I did it. Because I know you can't do it. I'll do it for you. So don't try to do it yourself. And any time in our faith when we start to feel a burden, when we start to feel like our faith is a burden, um, it, it's not because Jesus is heaping those burdens on you. It's either A, because you're heaping those burdens on yourself, or B, because maybe somebody else in the faith is heaping those burdens upon you, but Jesus isn't doing it. But that's not to say, I'm not saying like, so you're always going to be like happy-go-lucky, like, oh my gosh, everything's great, because, because there, uh, there's like, um, uh, uh, you know when you're married, when, when you're married, you, there's like that honeymoon phase, or when you're, when you're dating, when you're dating, like you get together and like, man, this is the best person in the entire world. They're so perfect. Oh my gosh, when they hold my hand. Oh, it just is so good. <laughs> and then my, like when my wife and I were dating, we'd be driving somewhere together and she'd look over at me and she'd be like, you're so perfect. You're so beautiful. Yeah, that's right, girl. You know? And there's like this, <laughs> and there's, the, there's this like this honeymoon phase that you kind of go through, right? And maybe for some of you guys, like, you know, you got married, you w went on a honeymoon, it was fantastic, it was phenomenal, and then the first year of marriage happened. <laughs> and you're like, can't we get back to like when we were dating and this was fun? We had a real rough first year through seven of marriage. But, but it didn't mean that we weren't married anymore, and it didn't mean that we didn't care for each other or love each other. And we go through sometimes these honeymoon stages in your faith, especially like, you know, maybe, maybe you've decided recently that you're in that fresh start, and I, I love it, man. I love, I want, that's why the Bible says return to, you, um, you know, your salvation, the, the love of your salvation, like when you were first there, because, man, there's these times, and sometimes you'll see, like, these people, they're, they're believers, and they're so excited. They're like, God's awesome. He's speaking to me all the time. This is great. It's phenomenal. Open up the Bible, and everything just poof out at me, and this is great. And I'm in my prayer times, and the Lord said to me this, and the Lord said to me that, and I was in worship, and I just felt his breath all over me. It was great. And you're like, oh, wow. It's been like a year and nothing like that. I open my Bible and I read it. <laughs> I pray and I think maybe I hear a whisper and it's just my kids. I don't know what's going on. Like, but it's, it's, 
it's not because he's not there. It's not because he's not pleased with you. It's not because of any of that. It just means that, like, you're now in a relationship. You're in a relationship, and there's a responsibility in that relationship. Like, there's things that you do, not because they're burdens, but there's things that you do because you're in a relationship with somebody. And Jesus isn't, isn't again, heaping on burdens, but he is saying, okay, now it's time to trust me. And, that's, and that can be hard sometimes. Now it's, now it's time to uh, obey my, my commands even when they don't make sense to you. Even when it goes completely opposite of the way that you were raised and the way that you grew up. But this, this, is, this is the way you do it. And hey, anytime, anytime that you do feel burden, know that I take them. I take them. Psalm 68 verse 19, if we can get that up there. Psalm 68 19. See, nope. Yep, hold on. Yep, there we go. It says, praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. Who daily bears our burdens. Who daily bears our burdens. Every day. You know what I've started doing these last few days since I wrote this message? <laughs> I, wish I, I wish this was like a practice of my life that I could share with you. I've been doing this for 20 years, guys, and this is just awesome. But I've been waking up, and, I'm, and I say, God, take my burdens from me the burden of how I feel about leading a church, God, take that from me. The burden and expectations that I feel from other people, Lord, just take it. It's not mine, it's yours. You bear it. You do it. Because it does say in the scripture that his burden is light. It says, you give me your burden, and I'm going to give you my burden. My burden is way light. Way light. Why? Because he's carrying the bulk of it. Do you ever do that with, with your kids where, like, they're trying to lift something, you kind of come behind and you lift it up for them, and they think they're, like, super strong? Or when they would come around you and they'd be like, Dad, let me try to pick you up, and they would, they, they would like, grab hold of you and you would, like, raise your things, and they think they're, like, you know? And then they would realize what you're doing, and they'd be like, Dad, knock it off, and so I'd put my full weight on them and collapse them, but... But... Jesus carries those burdens from us, and this is his burden that he gives us. I'm a little, this, this is the burden he gives us. M Micah, little Micah 6 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what by the way is just reminding you, y'all you, mortal. You, you ain't your own God. You ain't God. He's shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? This is his burden he places on you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, right before this, this little passage, right, right before this, this, this verse, he's going through, he's like, yeah, you bring me all these sacrifices. Yeah, you do all these, like, rituals and these, you know, you, you, you do all these things and you, you know, kill the fattened calves and you do all this stuff and you're missing the point. This is my point right here. This is, this is what I want. This is what I require of you to act justly. Social justice was God's before it was society's. Like, God a long time ago was like, hey, take care of people, love people, be a voice for those who don't have a voice. He was social justice before any of this social justice was social justice. Instead of just this past decade, he's been doing it for centuries and millenniums, whatever. He says, this is what I require to act justly, to love mercy. The idea of mercy there is to do something, not just receive mercy, but to do it, meaning love doing stuff for others who need it. And it says to walk humbly with your God. If we could just sum this up, this is what the Lord says. Be good to people and hang out with me. That's his burden for you. Be good to people and hang out with me. Let me love you and love others. 
That's the burden. Oh, wait, wait, Lord, you mean I don't have to fulfill this, this, this? and No, I've already fulfilled it. What I want you to do is I just want you to go out and love people and hang out with me. That's it. That's his burden. It's like, can I get the worship team to come up? We're going we're gonna to close just a little bit differently. Just a little bit differently. We're gonna, we'll, we'll do our kind of closing announcements and offering stuff in just, in, in just a sec. But we're going to go in just a, a quick time of worship. And I want us to let go of our burdens. I want us right now, because, you know, as I'm speaking, I'm sure you've had those voices going on in your head of, of what family is laid on you. Maybe of, of what different pastors or priests or religious leaders or whatnot have laid on you. Or maybe there's been just different guilt and shame that you've dealt with. We're going to take these next moments and we're going to just release those. We're going to have a time where we just sing and we're going to get rid of those. Actually, can everyone stand to your feet for a moment? I want us all just to stand to your feet and just, just close your eyes for a second. Just close your eyes. Some of us have burdens that are way gnarlier and way heavier some of us are, have literally been for decades and decades and decades dealing with guilt and condemnation because of the, the things that have been said to us, the weight that has been placed on us. And I believe that this morning the Lord wants to set you free from that. I believe that this morning God wants you to rest from others, that he really wants you to learn a new way to be human, the way that he designed for you to be human. So Jesus, we come, and Lord, you know each and every one of our hearts, you know each and every one of our histories. You know what's been said to us, you know what's been done to us. You know our pain, you know our hurt, You know our fear. And this morning, Lord, we just want to release it to you. Father, today we want to leave this place not only feeling less heavy because we've been freed from our sins, but Father, we want to leave this, this place today feeling way lighter because you've lifted the burden from our shoulders. I just want to, as, as we're just kind of keeping this in this moment, I feel like there's somebody in here, and I can honestly, I could even be young enough to be your son, but if I, if you would allow me, I just want to apologize for the things that your dad said to you. For the, the weight and the disappointment that he always placed on you, that was not yours to bear. Jesus takes that from you right now. I know that some of you guys in this place, you've been struggling because you feel like the Lord has been telling you one thing for your life. But you have... 
You have so much fear because you don't want to disappoint some of those authority figures in your life that said, no, this is the way that it has to be, and this maybe even it's come with threats. But Jesus wants to set you free from that. So, Father, we pray right now in these next moments as we sing to you that these burdens would be lifted and that our hearts would be healed. Let's worship.